Welcome to the If I Were 20 Again podcast. Today, we got the stunning Lara Golden on here. She is the leader and the founder of the Free Mama Movement, award-winning business owner, and a number one international best-selling author. Do you hear that? Number one international best-selling author. Pretty cool lady. Her mission is to ensure no mother ever has to choose between family and finance. So let's get started. Let's bring Lara Golden in. She's got some really cool stuff to share with us today. Okay, Lauren, so first question I have for you is your free mama movement. And I know a lot of people have asked you like what started it, how did it start? But what how did you know that it was time to start it? Cuz I know you're Ooh. talking about how in your life like you wanted to be able to provide for your kids and like be a mom there, but how did you know it was time to like share it with other people? Yeah, I think this is probably going to sound kind of weird, but you might understand this and hopefully some of the listeners do too. I think I always felt like I was going to do something bigger than myself. Like even when I was little, like, I don't think I knew what that was. I don't think I knew what, knew what it was going to look like. Like I was always obsessed with like celebrities and the idea of being famous, but not necessarily like, oh, I want to be an actress or whatever. I think I just, I think I just always wanted to make an impact bigger than myself. And I've always been a talker. That's like the thing I got in trouble for in school. And like, I've always had pretty strong opinions and wanted to share that. Um, you know, the free mama really started with myself of my story of like leaving my job and learning how to freelance and replacing my salary and all that. And then it started as this like little inkling, like it it was a physical thing for me, like that gut, like we hear about our gut or intuition or whatever you want to call it. But like, I could feel it. Like it was an uneasy feeling of like, you've done this. And what if this wasn't actually about you? Like, what if that was just the first step, like you learning how to do it for yourself? And it just, it got louder and louder. And I remember one point it was like fall 2016. My family had just moved. We were super stressful. I was pregnant. We had just moved away from friends and family. We literally found out I was pregnant with our youngest the same weekend we bought a house. So I'm like, okay, great. Like we're moving away from friends and family and now I'm going to have another baby and have absolutely no one to help me. That's really great news. So it was like really stressful time in our life, just trying to get settled in a new community. Um, I had to kind of rebuild parts of my freelancing business because I lost clients when we moved. And I remember that fall of 2016, we were finally like getting our footing. Like I had gotten new clients. Things were going really great. My husband was settled in his job. We had made friends. And I remember a moment I was actually at a networking event. And like, I remember putting my hands out like this, like with my palms up and being like, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready. I'm ready for that thing. Like, what's that thing I'm supposed to go do next? What's that impact? Like, what is it? And I just wasn't far enough in my journey to have the clarity. And so just with what this podcast is about, like for anybody listening who like, you know, there's something, but you don't know what it is. I just want you to know, I know how frustrating that is. Like, I I just, I could feel it in my bones of like, I just want to know so I can go do it. Cause I'm like, I'm ready. Like I want to do it. Um, and what's cool is like, you just, you just do the next right thing. And then the next right thing. And as I did that, I got clear. What's interesting is like beginning of 2017 for context, I launched the free mama movement, September, 2017. So we're like gearing up. It's like the beginning of the year. I'm like, okay, this is what it could look like. Okay. Online courses. Okay. Like I'm kind of like Russell Brunson and click, but like, I'm like finding all these things, but at the same time that I'm getting the clarity, my fear started rising. It was like the more I rooted into what I wanted and what it could look like and what I could be and what this business could become the scarier it got, because now I actually wanted it. You know, it's like, if you're not that emotionally invested, it's like, whatever, but I really wanted it. And so it took me about another seven months before I hired my first coach and like went all in with the free mama movement because of that fear. I had lots of stories around like, well, so-and-so is doing something similar. So why should I bother? She's already so far ahead of me. Um, and then I was really afraid of what people were going to think about me, not like strangers on the internet, but like, what's my friend from college going to think? What are my parents going to think? Like, what is all my Facebook friends from high school? Like they're going to think I'm this total weirdo, like all this stuff. And that was for a long time, what stopped me from taking that first step. And then again, it was that like physical, like, I can't not do this that finally pushed me over into investing and taking those first few steps. That is so cool. Um, I definitely feel that I meant for something bigger. And when you get emotionally invested in it, it becomes scarier. Like 
for sure. Like even with just this podcast, I'm like, ah, I want to do this so bad. And obviously I'm going to do it, but like leading up to like the launch date and everything, it's like, what if I just don't? Because everybody is going to judge me and all this scary stuff. And so it's just glad yeah. that I'm not the only one feeling that way. You, you are not the only one feeling that way. And what I think where I finally got is like, is the risk of not trying and never knowing, like, is that scarier or are my fears scarier? And I think you just, you get to this point where you're fed up and you're like, I can't not know, like, I can't not go for it. You know, like I'd rather fail than have this regret for the rest of my life that I didn't at least try to do it. And it's like, when that feeling gets loud enough, that's when it's go time. Yeah. I love that. Um, and that kind of leads into another one of the questions I, you did a video on your Instagram live about how your word of the year was fun and how you're starting to get through, like push all these things out that you don't enjoy. How do you find the courage to kick those things out of your life? It was not easy. I'm not, it's fresh. It's fresh, Michaela. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I support the short answer is support. Um, I have great mentors. Um, it's how we know each other. I, you know, I've met your mom through some of, you know, masterminds I've been in and coaches that I've had. Um, I think ultimately you have to find kind of your inner knowing, And I think there's lots of like fears and doubts and questions and external advice that can sometimes cloud that. So bottom line for me, like, I mean, it it cost me money. Like I, I lost like tens of thousands of dollars making some of these decisions. There was some fallout. Like it was not easy to make some of the decisions that I made at the end of 2021. And yet, like even my husband, who's like, he's a little cheap. So like for him to be supportive when I'm losing money, like, but he was like, it's like, you're buying your happiness back. Like you get to Mm -hmm. buy, it's like an investment in, you know, your freedom and your sanity, because there were just things that were no longer working and were, um, kind of suffocating me if I'm being honest, uh, but support. And so one of my coaches in particular, you might know her, Mandy Keene. Do you know Mandy? Uh, Yes. Or who she is. Yeah. Yeah. So she's awesome. And I, I was out walking my dog one day and I thought I had made my mind up. I was like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. It is the right thing. And then all of a sudden I'm out on a walk and I'm like, I don't know if it's the right thing. Like, I do not know if it's the right thing. And so I remember I sent boxers, this like walkie talkie app, if you haven't heard of it, but, um, you can like talk into it. And then the other person can like play the message later instead of like text messages or you can do both. Anyway, I send her this, like all this bird vomit of like, I thought I had made up my mind and now I'm not so sure. And here's what I'm thinking about blah, 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 and all this stuff. And I don't even know what I said. And like a day or two later, Mandy gets back to me. And I, I still, to this day, have not played the entire message from her. But the first thing that she said was, Lauren, I'm going to mirror back to you. She goes, you know, I can't tell you what to do, but I'm going to mirror back to you what I'm hearing. There's so much fear. I get goosebumps. She's like, there's so much fear in the sound of your voice. And everything after that, I tuned out, I like didn't even hear. And the question I asked myself, I've realized, by the way, the key to making good choices, the key to success, the key to your happy life is learning to ask really good questions. You've got to ask the right questions to get to the right answers. So I asked myself, based on what Mandy had said, I'm like, what, what am I afraid of? Am I afraid of making the wrong decision? And I was like, I'm actually not. I know what the right decision is. Like, I know that this has to go. What I was afraid of was making other, like upsetting other people. Like so-and-so might be mad at me or I might disappoint this person and we can't live our lives that way. And at 35 years old, like I have finally like rooted in like, like if, if, if I'm not happy, no one else around me is going to be happy. That doesn't serve my family. That doesn't serve my clients. And, um, you know, if I get myself to this point as an entrepreneur where I'm totally burnt out and I hate everything, then everything goes away. Whereas if I can just get rid of a couple of things that aren't serving me or my company or my team anymore, then we all carry on. And so it's not worth it to, to, you know, make my decisions just based on the fear of disrupting a couple other people. You know, I have to do what's best for me at the end of the day. And and that's what I did, but it it was not easy and it was an expensive choice, but I had zero regret after I did it. Um, but yeah, lots of support. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Um, so how did you find the support? I know inner circle is like a great, like big booster for like people in this, but I know a lot of college students can't afford to get into inner circle. So what are some other ways that you've met coaches? 
Um, well, the very first coach that I ever worked with, I'll give her a shout out, Liz Benny, who was one of Russell's, like Russell Brunson's co-founder of ClickFunnels, like one of his like prodigy first students, like pre inner circle. Um, and I actually had bought her very first course that he helped her build, you know, seven, eight years ago now mm-hmm. and when ClickFunnels first started. And so that's actually how I first, I mean, I knew Liz first and, um, I followed that. And then when I, she was the first coach that I invested in. And, um, I think just looking for, I, I always ask myself a couple different questions when going to hire someone or really just working with somebody closely in any capacity. It's like, do I jive with this person? Like, is there, you know, we, there's always like an energy, like you can be kind to all of humanity, but not everybody's going to be your best friend. Mm-hmm. And so like, I always want to make sure like, is this someone I resonate with? Like, are, are we getting each other? You know, is there this like mutual, and this is whether it's a mentor, a peer, an accountability partner, people in your network, your referral base, like you want that general good rapport. Like you want this to be someone that you jive with and you respect in, in all of those different things. The other thing that I look for in hiring decisions is has this person already achieved the thing I want to achieve? Because what I've learned is not all advice is created equal. Like you can go ask your mom or, well, your mom is a business owner, but like my mom is not, or like, you know, <laughs> go ask that was, I always say your mom, but like your mom is probably someone to go to for advice. I would <laughs> advice. Your spouse or your roommate or, you know, someone, your college professor, or whatever the case may be, like you can go to people and you can ask for their opinion, but not all advice is created equally depending on the scenario, right? Like you don't want to go to somebody who's never been married for marriage advice. You don't need to go to somebody who's never been a parent for parenting advice. Like, and it's the same in business. And so there's a lot of people out there on the internet, you know, that want to be coach at life coaches, fitness coach, business, all these different things, but they haven't actually done the thing. So where I start, like my baseline, and I talk about this with my students at every level is like, you can't walk someone across a bridge you haven't walked across. So just be thoughtful about who are you asking opinions of? And it's not that you can't listen to other opinions, but they shouldn't be weighted equally, if that makes sense. So like, same with like, if you've got people in your life who don't support you, if you've got a dream or an idea and there's like naysayers, like it's okay. It doesn't mean they're bad people. You don't have to like discard them out of your life, but don't give them the microphone to your inner dialogue, like find, you know, find somebody who's going to, going to be more supportive. Um, the other thing I'll say though, is if you can't invest in a coach or a mentor or whatever, like, first of all, a lot of people on the internet have lots of free resources, myself included. Like I have a whole YouTube channel. Like there's a lot you can go learn from people. Your mom has a podcast. You've got this great resource, this podcast, like there's lots of stuff. Go read a book, like read book. Like there's lots of ways to get really helpful information. Network talk to people, meet people, show up, have the courage. Like you, we have met, but you had asked a mutual friend of ours of like, Hey, can you connect me with Lauren? Mm -hmm. The more you invest in relationships and just talking to people in general and like caring, like not just making it all about you, but like, what can you do for them? And how are you going to care about them? And can you connect them? Um, That's going to take you really, really far. And it doesn't cost anything other than being a good human. Yes, I had a professor who uh, every time we kind of like ended class, she always kind of like told us like one little like saying that she wanted us to remember. And one of the ones that I remember was a thank you goes far. So when you're just like being there with a person and just like thank them for spending their time and with you and sharing their information and all this other stuff and just being really appreciative that they're willing to work with you and whatever you're doing. Yeah. And I think that's starting to get lost. Like we just, just this morning, I went to the post office after I took my daughter to the orthodontist, um, to drop off like thank you notes from Christmas cards. Like, I don't think a lot of people do that anymore. Like if you're interviewing, if you're, yeah, if you're doing whatever you're doing, you know, if you go to your, your teacher's office hours, send them a thank you note. Why? Here's the deal. Because most people aren't willing to do this, people are either too lazy or they just don't know better. You will stand out that much more. And again, it doesn't have to be crazy. Like when we bring people in our community um, for interviews, like we send a $5 Starbucks gift card. Like it doesn't have to be this like crazy thing, but it's like, what are, what can you do? It doesn't have to cost money, but what can you do? That's like a step above at the free mom. And we call it putting a bow on it. Like every encounter you have with people, you should, how do you, how can you put a bow on it so that you become memorable? And when you do that, people are going to want to help you. So you won't need to invest in coaches because you're going to have people who will be willing to mentor you because you're actually following through, um, and, and making yourself stand out in that way. Uh, yes. Um, there have been multiple situations with a lot of people who I've interviewed on this podcast 
it started out with me like babysitting their children or helping them out between like conferences that they're running around in and like I feel like it's made it a lot easier for me to feel comfortable asking them yeah because I know that they all they're gonna say yes no matter what because they're friends with my mom and they love my mom but then <laughs> I'm like hi <laughs> and they're like yeah yeah of course and so like just having something like a solid foundation before you go and ask for anything yeah very confident boosting. That's a great example. That's a great example. And I guarantee you, even if they would have done it anyway, they're happy to do it because of the relationship that you've built with them and the way that you've like shown up and served them as well. So that's awesome. Good for you. Thank you. It's been fun. Okay. Um, so, uh, one of the big questions that I've been asking a lot of the people I interview is what is one of your proudest moments? So I want you to take us back in that time, what you were feeling, what had led up to that time and what was going on? Ooh, okay. I don't know if this is going to be go the route that other people have gone or not. I'll be interested to hear. Maybe I'm a loner on this one. I'm going to, I'm going to stick more to like things I've done rather than humans I've created. So like, okay. we'll just say my children are a given, like yeah, I love my obviously. children. That's amazing. <laughs> like creating a life. Very cool. Um, my favorite thing, like professionally or personally, um, that I've done is actually my book. And I wrote it, um, about a year into my business. So pretty fast, like mm -hmm. all things considering, like I moved very fast those first, like 18 months. And the reason why I'm so proud of my book is because yes, it has some, some practical, helpful tools and things like that, but really it's like my belief system and to be able to have something like, it's almost like a legacy. Like, yes, I have my children, but like, that's like, those are my thoughts. Like that's, it's my beliefs. It's like something that I can go get out into the world. Um, and it still fuels me. Like my, it's my mission. It's my vision. It's why I do what I do is all inside of my book. Um, and I just, I'm proud of it. I think it's really well done. I worked with a ghost. I'm a talker. So I worked with a ghostwriter. Um, and I would like, we would do this, like we would get on zoom and I would tell my stories and then she would help transcribe them. And we'd work together to kind of relay them out and things like that. Um, and so I'm very, very proud of my book to answer your question though. What's really interesting is this is the first time in my life where I had kind of a big aha moment. I was going to say smack in the face. It felt more like a smack in the face, but it was an aha moment around, um, a cliche that we've all probably heard, but it's that it's about the journey, not the destination. So I started working on, well, I started working on my book years and years ago. Um, but I took it seriously and started working with my ghostwriter in May of 2018 and we published in December. So less, so what's that? Like, I don't know, eight or nine months, seven, seven or eight months. Um, so pretty fast. We, we got it done and put it out. And I was so focused on the finish line. Like the whole time we were working on it, I'm like, I'm going to have a book. I'm going to have a book. I'm going to publish this book. Um, we self-published. It was on Amazon. We international bestseller before I even woke up the morning that it came out. Like I woke up, I looked at my phone. Heck yeah. Except I was like, eh, and I like went back to sleep. Right. So I like, I look at my phone. I had a message from my assistant at the time. I'm like, well, that wasn't even, I thought I was going to like wake up and have breakfast and get to like, go do a Facebook live and like watch it happen. And it was like, eh, we had it at like three in the morning. Like our community was so excited. It was like, whatever we like already did it. And it was like, and I just remember that day feeling not like a disappointment, but I think I thought after working so hard about something I care so much about that I would feel a certain way. And I didn't feel that way. I felt like every other day, except a lot of people were looking at me and like <laughs> what it's kind of like when people are singing happy birthday to you and you like, don't want the attention on you, but it's your birthday. And it's like, everybody in the room is staring at you. That's how I felt that my husband's like, do you want to like have a party tonight? Do you want to like go out to dinner? And I'm like, I'm good. Like I just, it was very, I didn't celebrate. I didn't, I, at that point in my business, I was still moving so fast and so focused on the next goal and the next goal that it was like check marks that I, I, I hadn't, that was the first time that I learned it's about the journey, not the destination. And we have to take time to acknowledge what we're doing and all of the hard work and all of the things and find moments of stillness and find moments of fun, which now you can see how years later, I've like circled back to that word. My word of the year after that, by the way, was joy. So you can see there's like a theme where it's like, I have to get, we, we as humans with these short attention spans, like in tons of distractions, we've got to learn 
to, in my community, I now call it celebrating many, many wins. Like we have to celebrate every step and be present because how we live each day, that's how we're living our life. It's not about the next thing. Like, you know, I've got the two comma club and blah, like all these things. And I think it's like, we've got this goal and it's cool. Like goals are awesome. They fuel us. They give us something to strive for and focus on. I'm not knocking goals. What I am knocking is like always striving for the next thing. And I don't know about you, but like I'm chronic high achiever. I've been this way my whole life. Like, and I, I don't know it. I hope somebody can learn from that story, I guess, because it's my proudest accomplishment. And yet the day that it actually came into fruition was like, I, I didn't, I didn't acknowledge all the work I had done. It was like, well, what's the next thing we're going to do? Um, and that kind of makes me sad looking back on, like, I wish, I wish, I wish I would have been more present instead of just mm -hmm. so goal oriented. Um, but it's hard for high achievers. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> so if you were to go back, would you like celebrate and do do a dinner and do do a party? Or are you still kind of like proud that you still pushed through and moved on and are where you're at now? Does that make sense? I don't know. I don't know how I would have done it differently. I think I needed to learn the lesson. Yeah. I don't do a whole lot of like, I would have done that differently because I think the things that happen to us um, happen for us. And I think that was, I think that's what I needed to have happen so that I could pay more attention. And it was actually, it was just a few months later that I, that I hit that, that seven figure mark in my business. And I had a whole different lesson from that where I, I did celebrate it like, but quietly. So like, I, I mean, like I cried because for me, that was just like shattering all of these things of like, I didn't think I could actually do that. Like I spent so much of my life thinking that, that those types of things weren't available to me, not because of parents or anything. Like I have an amazing family and support system. It was an internal belief that mm -hmm. I had that like, I can't actually do this. And so I remember where I was. I remember where I was in St. Louis with my family, um, but I was also holding a free mama meetup at the time. This was pre COVID. So I would like travel and meet my students and we were standing in our Airbnb. And I remember I, I think I just like got an email or something, but I remember opening my Stripe and it was that like super clean, like 1.0 capital M. And I was like, what? Like it was just, it was crazy. And I like, I walked over and showed my husband and he like got these huge eyeballs. And I just, I was, I was very present. Like I, mm -hmm. I remember crying and just feeling very overwhelmed with a lot of emotion. And yet in that accomplishment, I didn't tell anybody publicly for months. I didn't apply for the award. I didn't do anything because I think, again, going back to my first insecurity, I think I was really nervous about what people were going to think like, oh, they're just going to think I'm bragging or, you know, like all these stories we tell ourselves. And so that was like a very private win, um, at the time, but I was very present, which I was not with the book. So there's growth. And yet we all are a work in progress with a whole lot more to work on. Right. <laughs> uh, the, my mom was very similar with that this year. So were you at Fun Hacking Live? Yeah, I spoke this year. I missed you then. Ah! Okay, I think, was it's like, like, I think it's pirated on uh, YouTube somewhere. <laughs> okay, cool. I'll go find it. There was like a day and a half that I just was like out and didn't like go at oh, all. Oh, no. So that might have been when it was. But when my mom went up and got her like two heart award, like before, oh. like all of that going up there, she was like, I should, I'm not going to apply for this. Like, I don't want to seem like I'm bragging and stuff. And um, Alex Hermosi was like, shut up, go apply for it. Because the only reason you thought this was possible is because you saw me do it. Right. So all of these other people are going to see you doing it and yeah. they're going to want to hit that. And so bragging yeah. about your goals is a good thing. Yeah. It's a reframe though, right? Like we just, we've got to create a different story around it so yeah. that it, it feels good. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and then with that whole story, you answered like my next two questions is like biggest teaching moment and life-changing moment. So, Ooh, well, I could, I mean, my life-changing moment, my biggest life-changing moment, um, was actually, I had a miscarriage after my first two kiddos. So this is kind of my, you speak, you speak, marketing. This is my origin story. Um, so I had, I had two kiddos, um, 
little and was working a full-time job outside the house. My husband, we had taken out a huge SBA loan for him to pursue his dreams of being an entrepreneur. And he was barely making enough to pay the loan, let alone pay us. So I had, you know, all the financial burden of the family. Plus, you know, we were on my insurance and all of these things and I was miserable and I didn't know what to do about it. This was around the time I found Liz Benny. Um, I didn't know what to do about it because, you know, I felt like, I think as you guys get older and if you become parents, it's like, you're kind of in the prelude to it right now where we're so conditioned by society, right? It's like, you go to school, you get good grades, you get the degree, you get the job, you go to the job, you retire from the job, you die. Like that's, it's just, it's sad. And as entrepreneurs, like we're the weirdo different ones who are like, wait a minute, what if this could be different? Well, I was like right in that limbo where I'm like, I see it but I don't know if I can actually do that. Like that feels really scary and hard. And even though I'm super unhappy over here, I'm pretty sure I'm safe. Now this was pre-pandemic. I am so grateful for the pandemic because I think it has questioned, it has challenged everybody's belief system about what stability actually looks like, right? Mm -hmm. um, but so this was my, this was this time in my life. And uh, I started freelancing. I started uh, doing my social media management. I was making a couple thousand dollars a month. I was like this this is going to be my ticket out of my job, except I was terrified because I'm not, I was not a natural risk taker. So I was doing it, but I was like burning myself to the ground. Cause I've got, you know, a two-year-old and a zero-year-old and a full-time job and a husband. And now I have this side gig that I have to maintain. And I was just like juggling. And then we found out we were pregnant and I was like, okay, well, like now I don't have to quit my job because I'm clearly too afraid to do that anyway. So I just won't go back for maternity leave. Like that was my whole thought process. And at 12 weeks, we went in for an appointment. This was our third kid. So the fact that my husband was with me at an appointment was rare. Like that was not, there was some <laughs> divine intervention there. Um, and we did not know anything was wrong, but we found out at that appointment that we had actually lost the baby and it was horrible. It was to this day, probably the lowest point in my life still. Um, and yet it's so incredibly common. So many women don't talk about it. It's so common, but I felt I've never felt more alone in my life, even though my husband was with me. And during those next few days of kind of going through that, um, I kept hearing this voice over and over in my head of like, what are you going to do now? Like, what are you going to do? Like you're it's the ball is in your court. Like, what are you going to do? And I walked in and I quit my job one week later and never looked back. And I, you know, then I was freelancing for a few years and then obviously started the free mama movement, but that, that loss as difficult as it was changed the, oh gosh, it changed the trajectory of my entire life. You know, I don't know that I ever would have had the courage to do any of the ripple effects that happened after that, if I wouldn't have had that experience. Um, and so I think, I think there's a lot of people who share that type of thing where there's this low point that acts as the springboard to something else. So if you're listening to this and life sucks right now or whatever, or it's going to happen at some point in the future, because life just sucks sometimes just know that so much greatness is born out of those low points. So hang in there, but yeah, that, that is my life-changing moment because it, it changed my entire life. That is crazy. How did you even deal with those like emotions and those thoughts and those feelings? Like you just lost a child. What, how did you? <laughs> um, very erratically. I walked it. in and I quit my job. <laughs> so not, but I think, I think that was good. Like, I think it's good that I wasn't thinking logically because I think I was so in my head mm -hmm. that that is what was preventing me from doing the thing that I wanted to do. Um, my mom and my sister have both had miscarriages. It was, I, I remember like consoling my mom the night I found out, like she was more upset than me because she had, she actually miscarried twice. I, I was my mom's rainbow baby. So I actually wouldn't have been born if my mom, she miscarried twins in her second trimester. And I think for her, it brought back a lot of memories that she hadn't seen in a long time. But I think also she knew how painful it was for her. And so then to see her child going through, it was like really traumatic, but as sad as it was like watching my mom be really sad. I, those were the little bits and pieces that made me feel less alone. Um, but yeah, very erratically, very erratically. And, and, and it took me 
the entire, what would have been the entire pregnancy to heal. The due date was St. Patrick's day to this day. I despise St. Patrick's day. I will not wear green. I just don't want to talk about it. Like I just, I kind of go in a little bit of a shell on that day and just mourn what maybe would have been. And it's just kind of the day for me and no one, I don't talk about it. No one else really ever knows what's going on, but I will never not think of it on St. Patrick's day, you know? Um, but after getting through kind of that first year and then, um, so it was that may or yeah, it was that may. So a few months later that we found out that we were pregnant with Audrey, who's our rainbow baby. So I think, you know, time and new experiences and new people usually help heal those, those wounds a little bit, but it's always, it's always any type of loss is something you always take, take with you, I think. Um, yeah. So I work as a CNA right now and we just had a couple of residents pass. And so when going through like the grieving process and like, I wasn't even blood related to these people, but they're like my adopted family. And so going through it, like definitely changed my life a little bit. Like instead of this way, we're now like there. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think grieving is, um, different for everybody and giving yourself the space and the permission for me, probably not surprising because I'm such a talker, like talking helps me. And after my miscarriage, I remember being in conversations with friends and they looked so uncomfortable because, and I, I don't blame them. Like I don't hold any sort of whatever, but I think they were kind of like, do we comment back? Like, this mm-hmm. is kind of taboo. Like people don't really talk about this, but she's talking about it. Like, but for me, it was very healing to talk about. Um, but yeah, it, you have to be willing to, I guess, kind of experience that discomfort because not everybody's going to understand what you're going through and just finding your own safe space and outlet is, is good. What I do not recommend is like shoving stuff down. I have experience with that too, where I'm like, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. I'm not going to deal with this. I am fine. Everything's fine. What I will tell you is that eventually, probably around your mid thirties. Yeah. All those I'm fine start to like resurface and then you get to deal with them. It's really fun. <laughs> uh, that is my number one coping mechanism. My therapist hates it. She kicks Shoving it down. every time. <laughs> Well, Hey, I am proud of you that you say you have a therapist. Cause that does tell me that you're at least talking to someone and working on it. And I think that that is amazing and admirable. And that's something that we're supporting one of our kiddos with right now. And I've been through it. My husband's been through it. And I think I, I think you and, and the listeners are lucky because I think it just is becoming more and more accepted and common. And, you know, whereas even when I was in high school, like that wasn't something people talked about openly, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it's essential. <laughs> yeah. I am very open and about, open about it. Like uh, I have therapy on Tuesdays. And so yesterday I was hanging out with one of my friends and I was just like going off about what we talked about and all the stuff that was going on. And he's like, okay. <laughs> I was like, sorry, I'm a very open person. Like I will tell you anything and everything. Yeah. So there you go. It's good. But, it's very yeah. healing. We've all got, we've all got little tea trauma and <laughs> it's good. <laughs> yeah. The therapist wasn't my idea. It was my parents' idea. So thank them for that. <laughs> I will. <laughs> uh, yes. But you're okay. doing the work. So it's good. Yeah, I'm going. But okay, so I know we talked about how fun is your word of the year. And I meant to mention this earlier, but that's the same as my mom's. Ah, cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm going to so, go message her after this. <laughs> she was like, Kayla, you need to pick out a word of the year. And I was like, I don't know what my word of the year is. And she's like, okay, think about it. So like, how did you come up with your word of the year? Yeah, well, I'll tell you that. But before I do that, you tell her to back off if nothing's resonating with you. Because something I tell, we talk about this like in my community, just as I start talking about it at the end of the year for the next year. And there's some people that are like very stressed about picking it. And I'm like, if this is stressing you out, that means it's not serving you because that is not the purpose of this. Um, I got into word of the year, probably like four years ago. I remember five years ago, I thought it was the dumbest thing ever. I watched everybody doing it on the internet. I'm like, this is stupid. I am not participating. And kind of by the time the next 12 months rolled around, I was like, 
I kind of get it. And for me, it's the difference between like word of the year versus like a goal. I hate new year's resolutions because we know statistically that's just a bad idea, but like, I am a goal setter. I always have goals also, but to me, the difference is like a word of the year or a phrase of the year. It's going to be like your internal compass for the next 12 months. It's setting an intention. It's just this thing that you can come back to to process your decision-making, to reevaluate and reassess if you're on track. Um, my word of the year a couple of years ago, like I said, was joy. That was the year the pandemic hit. And what's so interesting is when we sent out Christmas cards at the end of that year, I remember more than one person reaching out to us and being like, looks like you guys had a great year. And we're like, we did, we had a great year. That was the first summer we went on our RV trip. We almost didn't go because of the pandemic. And then we're like, well, what's the difference between being like, quarantined at home versus like at a beautiful national park. We're like, we're going to go do it. So we went um, and we had a really great time. It's not to say there weren't challenges. I did homeschooling that year, remote learning. We moved like it was a challenging year, but I think when we looked at all of our choices, Hey, are we going to move or not move? Well, which brings us joy. Hey, are we going to go on the RV trip or not go? Well, which one's going to bring us more joy? Like as we made these big decisions, as we went through the year, that was kind of our internal compass. It was a heavy year though, like being a lot, very introspective with all of the lockups and all these different things. So, um, my word heading into the next year was surrender, because like I told you, if you push your feelings down for a really long time in your mid thirties, if there's a global pandemic, they tend to start <laughs> to like fester up. And so by the end of 2020, I was starting to kind of deal with some of those things. Like my family was driving me crazy. We had all been together. I, I'm a huge extrovert. So I've had not had enough of my like fill of community and people and, and travel and just, just, I felt stifled. And in that stillness of being home, I had to deal with some stuff of like who I am and what, uh, what things that have happened and feelings and all kinds of stuff. So that really set the tone for the next year where I was like really committed to actually doing the work. I'm like, I like, I'm ready. Like I kind of like the open arms, like I'm ready for more. I want, what's the business idea? Like I felt ready of like, all right, let's look under the rug. Like what have we been hiding from our whole life? Like let's deal with it. And so I had multiple like mindset life, life coach type people that I was working with throughout the year. Um, I got very much into yoga this past year, like that, that I was going three, four times a week, which still meditation does not super work for me that great. Cause I'm, I mean, you see me talking, I'm like, I can't sit still, but yoga, a yoga practice has been absolutely tremendous for me. And I think really, I'm still pretty high strung. I'm still a high achiever, but I think it has, um, given me a tool to like chill myself out. So even like FHL this year, like we talked about, like speaking on stage in front of thousands of people, like even as an extrovert, that's scary. You've spoken on Russell stages. Like it takes courage. And I just remember, I'm really good friends with Catherine Jones. I remember her telling me last year when she spoke that she almost passed out because they do like smoke machines and all this stuff. And so the guy backstage was like, Hey, don't breathe. So you don't breathe in the smoke. But that also meant that she was like quite literally holding her breath right before going and doing something really scary. And so she like, she, I just remember her saying like, I almost passed out. And so I was like, I remember being backstage and I can see the smoke and all this stuff, but I just remember I was like yoga breaths, like just take deep calming breaths. And I felt so present. I remember every moment I can replay it in my mind. Um, and so that gave me a lot of really great tools with that being said, this year has been exhausting. Like I have cried more this year than I cried during a Grey's Anatomy episode. Like I dealt with all the feelings and all the trauma and it, it is work, you know, like therapy is work mindset work. It's, it's work. And it takes a lot of energy. And, um, I had to deal with a lot of really deep, big stuff. We've had stuff come up in our family that we've had to deal with and I need lightness. So it was kind of between light and fun, but I went with fun. Um, because I can be a little bit of a workaholic. I think it's that like high achiever thing where we, we feel like we always have to be performing or learning or like, you know, we can't just like be, we have like, mm -hmm. if I'm, you know, if I'm not doing a podcast or working with my students or building a funnel, I got to be listening to an audiobook or like, like, you know, <laughs> and so it's like, I just remember one of my coaches was like, what do you do for fun? And I'm like, I don't understand the question. <laughs> like, I, I'm like, I build funnels and she's like, no, but like for fun. And I'm like, is that not fun for people? Like I, like my business is fun. And so for me, it's also, it's not just an intention of like, lightening up a little bit, but for me, it's like actually seeking out 
like play, like fun, fun, like light fun. Um, and so it's a challenge. It's not something that comes naturally to me um, because my business is fun to me. Work is fun to me. Reading is fun. And so, but how, especially while my kids are still little, it's like, how can we be more playful with the fun mm -hmm. that we're choosing? Um, so that's, it kind of came to me though. It's one of those things where like, based on how I'm feeling, it's like, what, I guess I asked myself, like, what do I need? What do I need? Yeah. What do I need? Cause not, what do I want? I did not want to surrender. That was not what we wanted. <laughs> like, you know, but it's like, what do I need in my life right now? And that's how I kind of go about choosing it. And I've, I've kind of noticed this every other year between something a little more intense versus something a little more. So I don't know, but that's kind of the cyclical nature. I think of just the world that we live in and us as humans as well. We need both. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was talking to my mom about this and we like we're going around in our family and all telling them and my siblings were joking around and I was like I think mine is gonna be I'm my best friend it's more like a sentence than a word yeah and so see if it sticks yeah are you working on being kinder to yourself mm -hmm. yeah and like following up with things that I say I'm gonna do like you know mm -hmm. Myron's whole like confidence booster like doing the things that you're going to say you're going to do and then following through and then keep yeah. following through and don't listen to those mean thoughts in the head that come up. Yeah. Hey, so. I think that that makes a lot of sense. So don't get hung up on the word thing. Yeah. It's yeah. what do I need? What do I need? I need to be my best friend. Cool. What's up best friend? I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's been a great six days so far. <laughs> you're nailing it. Uh, one of my friends had a goal to not drink soda and he was over yesterday and he's like drinking it and we're like me and my other friend look at him and we're like he's like it's a great solid like four and a half days like did it. oh get back on track man see this is why we can't do resolutions I'm telling you resolutions just set you up to fail <laughs> so I said right how do we drink less soda how do we monitor the soda we're drinking <laughs> you send your friend my way I'll put I'll set him straight <laughs> uh, this year I did something different and I like wrote down things that I want to do and I put them into each month and so like each month nice. I'm gonna work on one little thing so that's my I love that goal. I love that yeah are they oh. all like businessy type stuff or are some of them like more fun and there Active. are they're all over the place. Oh, I've all got, over the place. Yeah, like I'm on there how to make vanilla is one of them. Oh, nice. I it's not that. that hard. I just you have to be 21 to buy the alcohol, and I'm turning 21 this year, and so nice. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> getting involved in like local government. Um, there are definitely like entrepreneurship ones, like starting this one business that I've got, keeping this podcast going. Um, a lot of more learning things. So trying to cool. figure out what brings joy in my life. Yeah. Last year I had quite, I don't have as many this year because I think also if I plan it too much, then I suck the fun out of it. But last year I had quite a few things like that. Like I was like, I want to learn to ski. I've never been skiing. And we went in February, my husband and I, I learned to surf last year. Like it was very kind of experiential type stuff. I love trying new things. So I love that idea. Maybe I should spend some more time thinking, <laughs> thinking what I can add to my list this year. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, no, my list is like this long and I added another one yesterday and it was like, learn to make a new thing. Like we'll start with each month, like cooking a new thing each month. Cause cooking nice. is my way to like de-stress and like, it's like the only thing that I can control in my life. <laughs> so that is just finding a new one to try, try every month. So. Well, that's easy. You just post on social media and ask people for recommendations. <laughs> You'll get tons, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yes. It won't, it won't be that hard. <laughs> that's okay. Awesome. And then last question. If you were 20 again, what would you tell yourself or what would you do differently? Oof. Well, I don't think I would do anything. I hate to say that because I could probably go a little back and be like, well, maybe I should. <laughs> no, I don't think I would do anything differently because like I said, I think I think we have an opportunity as humans to experience things that will then let us go in a different direction if we allow them to, if we learn the lesson, if we take the opportunity, if we 
you know, choose not to shut down when the door closes, go find a window, go find a bulldozer, like just, you know, whatever you need to do to make things happen. So I think I'm grateful for all of my experiences, even the hard ones. I think what I would tell my 20, 20 year old self, which is probably what I would have needed to hear specifically, like when I was in college and especially maybe like right after, like right after I graduated is just, um, be patient. I think, and I'm not, I don't mean like with my kids, I'm also not patient with my kids, but I think I'm someone, and I think this is a high achiever thing too. So like, if you're listening to this podcast, like you're probably, you've got goals at the very least personal development, probably some sort of professional development, maybe entrepreneurship. Like, I think that tends to attract someone high achieving, right? Like we want, we, we've got things we want to do. We, we want to make an impact. We want to be somebody. We want to do all these things. And I've always been wired that way. Um, I just remember always feeling like it wasn't going to happen fast enough. Or like, if it wasn't happening on the timeline I set for myself, that that meant that I wasn't good enough. And when I look back now, so you're 20. Okay. So I'm 15 years older than you. When I look back over the last 15 years, I'm like, okay, I have had every day of my life. It never happened fast enough, but like I have traveled all over the world. I've lived in an RV for two years. I have three beautiful children. I have, you know, we live in our third home. We've owned, gosh, not even third. Is this our fourth house? One, two, three, fourth home. So we're on our fourth home. Like I've lived a lot of life and I've built, you know, a multi seven figure business. I've changed tens of thousands of lives with the company that I created. Like I have my health. I have my family. I have friends. Like, what is the meaning of life? Like, I don't have the answer to that, but what I can tell you is like, I've done okay. You know, like I've done okay. And do I want more? Yeah, I want more, but am I proud of what I've done? Yeah. And I think that comes back to that, like coming back to the present. So just like, be patient, be patient with yourself, be patient when things don't go your way, be patient when things don't look the way you thought they were going to look, because sometimes it's going to turn out so much better than what you even can imagine. Um, so be, just be patient because yeah, I don't know. I'm sure Tony Robbins has like a really awesome quote I should plug in right now, but it's that, you know, it's like, we overestimate what we can do in, in a day, but like we underestimate what we can do in a year. Well, what about five years, 10 years, 15 years? Like, gosh, you guys can all, you can be somebody, you can have an amazing life. You just got to be, be patient. Keep taking steps. Don't misunderstand. Don't, don't get complacent, but be, be nice to yourself. Be, be patient. Cause it's, it's, it's going to work out as long as you keep putting in the effort. Yeah. Um, patience is not my strong suit. You can ask my coworkers <laughs> and my parents. <laughs> and so just like, now that's a good thing for me to take personally. And I'll probably go right out on my chalkboard. I have a chalkboard of like quotes. I do too. For like <laughs> all of the stuff that I need in my life. And so yeah, putting it on there. Cause I get so frustrated when I'm like, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this, and we're going to get this, this, and this. And then I sit there and I go, I do it all. And I get like two things done. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. This sucks. <laughs> Yeah. And so usually we beat ourselves up or we give up or we stop or we backtrack or we whatever. And then we don't get that progress that we actually crave. So be, be, be patient. You got this. <laughs> okay. Is there anything else that you want to tell the young 20 year olds of the world? <laughs> yes. Because the, my biggest failure of my entire life happened one month after college graduation. Okay. Are you ready for that? I'm serious. So when I was a senior in high school, uh, or high school, excuse me, college, I applied for teach for America. I got accepted very prestigious program. Didn't, if I'm honest, know a lot about it. I just had no idea what I wanted to do later. I learned that that was a very big cliche, a white girl that went to a nice college and applied for teach for America <laughs> because she didn't know what she wanted to do. Didn't realize the irony at the time. That's what happened. I got in, um, I was able to move to New York city, which is where my long distance boyfriend at the time now husband, uh, was already living and working. So we were able to be with each other. Um, I was going through the summer program and about halfway through the summer program, I realized that I had made a very bad decision for myself. And I am someone follow through is my number one value. It's our number one value in our business as well. It's very important to me. To me, that is just the essence of integrity. And so I felt trapped because I had had this realization of like, 
oh my gosh, I don't want to be here. And I don't know if you know, but TFA, at least at the time was a two-year commitment. So I'm like, okay, I am one month into a two-year sentence of like, (laughs) I don't actually want to do this. And we were still in the training. So we were not, school hadn't started. It wasn't fall. I wasn't in a classroom. We were like all going, doing um, both our training, but also like interviews to get our placement and things like that. I remember calling my husband one day, just bawling. Well, he was my boyfriend at the time. Poor guy, (laughs) poor guy. He's like, oh my gosh, my long distance girlfriend just moved here. And she just calls me when she's crying. And I call him and I'm like, I don't think I can do this. And he's like, just jump on the, like get on the subway, come here, like to where he was. Um, And so I went and I was just like, I, like, I can't do this because if I get in that classroom and I meet those kids, like I can't leave them, but I know that I'm not supposed to be doing this. And so I had to call my like program director or whatever. Well, I didn't have to call. I should have done it face to face, but I was totally chicken. So I called them and I'm like bawling. It was like the least professional thing I've ever done in my life. Um, And I had to call them and tell them that I was quitting. And then it was so embarrassing because my husband went back with me. I had to go get all my stuff from the Mm -hmm. dorm, like where we were training and everyone's like looking at me and I'm like, I just had like failure tattooed, like all over my face. That's how I felt. Right. Of like, Mm -hmm. I took someone's spot in this program, someone else that, that would have, you know, traded their arm to be here. And I took their spot. I'm letting people down. Like I'm letting this classroom down. Like I had all of these stories. Um, and yet I think when I look back now, first of all, it's changed my relationship with failure. I think a lot of us look at failure and we're like, well, now I'm done. Like I'm a husband. Like I just, I suck at everything and I can't do anything. And now I just look at failure as learning and growing. And I also look back with so much, um, just compassion for that 22 year old Lauren, because I think it actually took a lot of courage to do what I did. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, don't stand up for themselves in that way. And I don't think I viewed it that way at the time, but now I'm very grateful that I did that because I wouldn't have been happy. And I don't know where that would have landed me to be so unhappy for so many years in the city, um, doing something that I, that, you know, didn't feel right to me. It wouldn't have been fair to the students. It wouldn't have been fair to the administration of the school. Like, I think there would have been a lot of negative repercussions, but I think a lot of us stay trapped. We stay trapped in jobs. We stay trapped. You know, we just, we do it because we think we have to. So I actually think I had a lot of courage to fail um, and was able to learn from that. But just my advice, my last piece of advice off of that story is change your relationship with failure change your relationship with failure. Now you are good. You are worthy. Your actions, your experiences don't define you as a human. Um, but if you take the time to learn from them, you can become the greatest version of yourself, which is pretty cool. That is the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If there is something that you guys learned in this episode, let me know, share it, tag me in it, and just let me know. So I got, I know that someone out there is listening. Also, if there's a topic or anybody you'd like me to interview, let me know. Don't forget to, forget to subscribe, leave us a rating, and go follow us on Instagram. And I will see you guys next week. Thanks again. <laughs>